Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate looking for a job. My name is Kyle and today I hate when the person in front of you leaves a mess in the bathroom so you have to clean it up so the person behind you doesn't think that it's your mess. And that is, I get, like, I get you. That is super gross. Yes. So let's move on. Okay. <laughs> but I, I I feel you on an emotional level, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah. So, um, it's a this is a weird podcast day. I have I'm just gonna throw out some life stuff right now. So, uh, last week my wife decided to institute a new diet slash workout regime for us, mostly for me because I'm a fat piece of shit and I've had chronic neck and back problems for a couple of years now. And I think a lot of that's because I don't exercise and I've gained weight in the past several years. So she's being proactive in doing something about it. And so of course I am miserable about it because <laughs> I don't want to do it. So we've been doing that, and we've been eating a lot uh, more healthy. I have not; I'm not drinking soda, um, drinking a lot more water, just just like being more healthy in general. And we're trying to work out every day. We take our dog on a walk every day, every other day. Um, so I've been in like a grumpy mood because of that, because I'm like always hungry and I want a Mountain Dew. <laughs> and so also, just a few days ago, this past week. We had an all-team meeting at work where we were informed that the Atlanta office and a couple of other offices in other states were going to be closed and that they want everyone to move to our main office in Florida with, you know, very few exceptions. And, like, nobody was let go. Everybody was encouraged to transfer effectively. But if we don't want to do that, the office closes in January. I'm not moving to Florida, so I'm out of a job in January. And it was, like, not a great day. Because it's uh, it's frustrating because, I mean, I don't want to go into, like, too many details about it for professionalism's sake. But there are other moving pieces at my job. Um, another opportunity that I was really excited about at my job uh, that would kind of change the direction of where I was going working on the marketing team. And literally the day this happened, I was planning on talking to my boss about it and saying like, hey, what do I need to do right now to move into this other position? And now I'm not moving into that other position because I'm not moving to Florida. So maybe this week, instead of writing emails with thoughts and opinions on what we talk about, if you know of any jobs in Atlanta, maybe write an email if you know of any marketing jobs. So it's been a bit of a weird week, but we're going to grind through it. That's part of... The joy I get from doing this sort of thing is it gives me a little bit of an escape to talk about video games and movies and stuff I care about outside of real life. So that's where I am. What about you, Kyle? What's been going on with you? Yeah, I'm sorry about that, man. Like, that's super shitty. And I don't know. I really hope um, I really hope you find something pretty soon because that's that's scary for you guys. I think and like in it's early October. So I have three months. I'm not worried about finding something else. And I am kind of excited about kind of taking the next step. It's just the, uh, like the circumstance of how this went down. That's sure. like, 
ugh. And, like, I don't blame anyone, any of the higher-ups at the company. The whole meaning behind this is to kind of tear down a lot of the walls that are holding our company back with people being in so many disparate locations and kind of unifying it because as a company, we're also unifying a lot of our solutions into kind of one platform moving forward. So it totally makes sense. It's just like at the end of the day, several hundred people will be out of jobs because of this. Right. And that's no good for anybody, at least no good for the people that will be out of jobs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been, really stressed out lately just a lot of stuff going on um with the theater i'm directing and and my job uh, helping special needs kids um but uh this past week i found out one of my theater kids came to me and told me that she's now uh she has made the decision to go into theater professionally um nice uh, and she said uh, a really big reason is myself and my co-director um, encouraging her and giving her opportunities over the past year. Um, and that has really kind of informed her decision to choose this new direction uh, for for her career. So that was like a really touching and satisfying moment. Um, yeah. That felt really, really good. Um, that was That was really awesome. So my co-director, she and I kind of got together and uh, talked about what we can do to better prepare her for that world and that scene because it's not an easy profession. Um, yeah, you I can speak to that. Yep, <laughs> I know you can. Um, so we're you know, trying to figure out ways to because we want to do a winter show this year, which we haven't done in a few, quite a few years. Um, the previous director kind of didn't want to take on the added responsibility of a third show in the middle of the year um so we're bringing that back and i want to do monologues for this winter um but i think for her instead um i'm going to focus on like audition techniques um mm -hmm. and you know things like that to kind of prep her more because she's a junior this year she'll be a senior next year um and i kind of want to i want to be able to make sure she's as prepared as possible going into the collegiate theater environment um and continuing her education. So that's just a, a really cool moment. Um, also this week, kind of in stark contrast to that moment, um, one of my kids in my special needs room, I have a cooking class with five of my kids. Uh, we're integrated into a normal class. So they're all cooking. We have our own uh, little kitchen island that we're cooking on. I'm trying to lead them, which I'm the worst possible person to be teaching children how to cook because <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So half the time the teacher's just over there doing it for me. Um, Ugh, the American education system. I know. Jeez. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and two of my kids, um, they have Down syndrome, and like they can be very stubborn sometimes. That's just kind of goes with the territory. Um, and so they often don't like to participate in the cooking uh, lessons, mm -hmm. and the one guy just wants to eat everything. So <laughs> as soon as it's done, he's like, yeah, bring it over here. <laughs> like, yeah, and I load up a plate for him, whatever it is, and he, he'll gobble it down. The, the girl's really picky, so she won't eat any of it, so she just kind of hangs out, and I bring her over every now and then to show her one or two things that we're doing uh, mm -hmm. just to try and keep them involved. And... <sighs> 
a couple days ago, uh, this was on <laughs> Thursday of this past week, before you guys are listening to this, um, I'm, like, both hands deep in dough, like, kneading it, um, and the girl walks up to me, and she goes, Kyle, Kyle, I was like, what, what, what's going on, and she has this look on her face, I'm like, oh, God, what's going on now, she's like, so-and-so jumped out the window, and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? What What are you saying right now? Because sometimes my kids just say stuff. Um, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. She's like, no, he jumped out the window. And I look around the corner, and he's not at the table he was sitting at. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I run over the window. And we're on the first floor. but And I yeah. run over to the window, and it's like, so in plain view of the street, Everyone who's driving by can see him. He's just standing on the outside of the freaking building, <laughs> hanging out, like lifting his shirt up and scratching his stomach because oh. when he climbed through the window, he scraped up his stomach. Mm. And so, oh, I was so mad. <laughs> oh, because like he just, if you tell him to do something, he'll do it. And then he's like, well, so-and-so told me to do it. And so I talked to her, and she's like, no, no, I didn't. She totally did. Um, mm. And it's like, <laughs> how <laughs> how many teachers can say they've had a student climb out the window? And yeah. of course, of course. I feel like this is good. It's good preparation to have children <laughs> for you. Well, then someone else should be having this experience. Or maybe it's... I'm not having children. Yeah, it's very... It's very effective birth control. Yeah, maybe. yeah, exactly. Man, like, <laughs> I love those kids to death, but sometimes, sometimes it's a window climbing day and no yeah. one's having fun. If but, nothing uh, else, like, you get plenty of good stories. <laughs> oh, for you know, sure. Yes. I'm glad he didn't actually get hurt or anything like that, obviously. Right. But yeah, well, I mean, that's those kinds of things of. Are, are fun later in life. Yeah. That's why I was so angry was yeah, because I didn't want him to get hurt. Um, and he's, he's done other stuff in the past that is dangerous just because he feels like he wants to do it. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, mm, those kids really scare <laughs> me sometimes, but, um, anyway, so last night, uh, we're recording this on a Saturday, uh, full disclosure. So Friday night, uh, my friends and I got together and it's my D and D group and we started doing, um, Cthulhu. It's like it's its own version of D and D it's a, you know, tabletop right. role playing game. Um, and so we were playing that and having a good time. And so we had, we, a few months ago, we finished our main D and D campaign with our characters. And so it's a different friend DMing the Cthulhu, the Cthulhu thing. And then after that, we were talking about our campaign because where we ended, this may mean something to some people and nothing to others, but there's this, uh, thing in the D and D universe called the deck of many things. And it's, 22 cards and it's immensely powerful and once the deck has been put together uh you announce how many cards you're going to draw from it and you have to draw that many cards uh within an hour of each other or all of the cards get drawn and some really bad shit happens um Mm. and like this is an artifact so powerful that if a um if a god were to draw a card even the god would have to abide by the rules of the cards so, like, there's okay. no getting out of this shit. Um, a god might be more better equipped to find loopholes and stuff, but they would still essentially have to follow what the card does. 
So one of our um one of our party members, his big thing is he wants to become a god. And there's a card called the Comet that grants one D three of wishes. Um and it's kind of up to the DM whether or not he wants to go like, okay, yes, I grant these wishes, or if he wants to do like the evil djinn, there's um a stipulation to every wish, like you know, the lawyer contracts, he's finding the loopholes to make it bad. Um okay. so that party member, since we were talking about it, I was like, well, do you have the deck with you? Because it's an actual deck that you get with the storyline. Um, and he's like, actually, you know what? I think it's out in my car. And I was like, guys, do we want to just like draw from the deck tonight? And this is like, it, the campaign's been over for a few months because it ended like we got, we've completed the deck and that was the end of the campaign. Uh, and like mm-hmm. we beat this essentially a god, um, a form of a god. And he's like, and everyone's like, kind of like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess, sure, because, <laughs> like, we were done with the Cthulhu thing for the night. It's like, yeah, I guess, because he, if we want to continue with these characters in D&D, then he was like, well, we probably want to convert to 5th, because we're doing 4th edition. And um, he's like, well, okay, so we should draw from the deck first, because some bad shit can happen, and, like, your characters can be gone forever, um, so I don't want you to convert your characters to fifth and then have them be gone forever. Um, So we're like, oh yeah, that's a good point. So let's draw and then we'll figure out what's going on and then we'll convert and we'll come back to this campaign down the road. So my buddy Steven, whose character wants to become a god, um, he declares two and he draws first card and it's ruin. And that means all of his possessions, non-magical, all of his possessions, any claim he lays to them, gone. So he loses all of his gold, all of his stuff, except for, like, a couple of the magical items that he has. So he's like, well, it's not exactly what I wanted out of the deck, but I guess I'm not dead. And then he said two, so he had to draw the second card, and it was gem, which is he gets basically 50,000 gold worth of stuff. So he chose 25 bling jewels worth 2,000 gold apiece, and so now he's just covered in jewels. And my character, Nob, who's a halfling rogue, like, total klepto, sees that happen, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, Nob would totally be all about drawing a card. So, right. my buddy Steven's character's like, oh my god, look at all this freaking gold, like, I'm coming out ahead. And then Nob just goes, one, and then grabs a card and flips it over, and <clears throat> it was the jester... And the Jester allows you... Because once you draw a card, it's gone forever. Like, it vanishes. It's no longer a part of the deck. But the Jester card and one other card, if you draw it, you do the effect, and then it goes back in the deck. So it can actually be Mm. redrawn. And for the Jester, I either get 10,000 experience, (laughs) or I get to draw two more cards. Ah. And for Nob, I mean, I would have gone up, like, two levels, because we're all, like, level 11. And I was like, draw two. And so we shuffled the jester <laughs> back in. And the first card I drew was void. And suffice it to say, Nob's soul is now trapped in an object that can be in any plane of existence or any universe, according to the DM. And his body uh, vanished like his body crumbled to dust and vanished and all his possessions are laying on the ground 
And then so, because, like, I'm best friends with a guy who wants to be a god. Like, we've been traveling together the longest as part of our backstory. And so he's, like, distraught because he was all about, I'll sacrifice anything to become a god. But he didn't think about the fact that other people would also be sacrificing things for him to become a god. So now he's Mm -hmm. like, I don't think we should draw from the deck anymore. So they put it away. And so here's the thing about Void. Even if they were to draw the wish card, they cannot wish my soul back into my body. So you're fucking gone. So if if they draw the wish card, the most that can happen is they would then know where the object is. And the object that contains my soul is also guarded by powerful beings. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so we had an idea, because I'm writing a campaign. We had an idea that... And actually, it's funny that it's uh, my friend Steven's character in my campaign. He has this long fetch quest of, like, he gets an item to get another item to get another item to get another item. Mm -hmm. And it all leads back to this uh, emotional connection with another character from the main campaign that I'm writing. And I had an idea that... So my halfling's name is Nob. I had an idea that... A doorknob is one of those items, and that doorknob in my D&D universe is containing Nob's soul. (laughs) Nice. And so that party in my campaign will get Nob's knob, and something will have to happen to where the other party shows up somehow, and then gets So everybody will be playing two characters. Sort of. I think as the DM, I would like dictate what their our original party does. Okay. Um, but they would like just kind of like pop in, and there would be like a fun little sec- uh, session with them, and they would have the knob then, and then they would leave, and then mm-hmm. myself and the DM from the previous campaign would have to get together and try and figure out, okay, what happened to get that party into my D&D universe like how did they cross planes that way and then um yeah so it's going to be really tricky but I think it's a really <laughs> cool idea um so let me ask you like what's the point of this deck it's the deck of many like, things why would you you can you can draw you from it because you can you can like the wish card like there's gem so 50,000 gold like you could buy a small town with that much money there's other okay. cards that um if you def- the next enemy you defeat or if you defeat an enemy by yourself within the next calendar day in game then you go up a level automatically there's mm-hmm. like just gaining power there's like powerful spells you get access to and then the wish card that's the biggest one like a d3 of wishes potential for three wishes anything to be granted for that character that's yeah like that's that's a big deal um how many cards are in this deck? 22 oh, okay and there's a ho- so that, that's not that many there's also a skull card which we were afraid of drawing we used it a lot in combat because the cards before you put the deck together could be used at the beginning of combat to summon and there's a spell associated with each of them and an effect and you can use them um so that's Mm -hmm. what we were doing during the campaign is like and we would always draw the skull card and our dm was pissed because it's way overpowered um so we made all these encounters super easy and the skull card if you draw it from the deck um the avatar of death shows up 
and you have to face him alone, and he's insanely powerful and kind of impossible to beat in combat, and he pursues you until he kills you or you find a way to defeat him. And the other tricky thing is, so if I say I'm drawing three cards, the first one I draw is death, I have to draw that second card within an hour or the next two cards draw themselves simultaneously and everything just happens at once. So that's another tricky thing is like, so you have to beat death within an hour or find a way to still be able to draw the cards while he's pursuing you. So that's another really bad situation that can arise from the deck. But we just we were, <laughs> we were just like, yeah, fucking the campaign's over. Let's roll the dice, man. <laughs> and then my it. character's soul gets sucked out and put into <laughs> another plane of existence. Well, hey, roll credits. Yeah. That's the end. And so like... <laughs> The, the 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 picture that our DM painted was very vivid. It's like, so, like, you're surrounded in blackness. And Thale, who was my friend Steven's character, Thale, all of the glitter and all of the shininess from your new uh, gold is gone. And he's like, what? I lost all my gold? He's like, no, it's still there. You just can't see it. You're in the dark. He's like, oh, thank God. It's all still there. <laughs> and then, right in the middle of you, you see this glowing light. And then you see a dark form in the form of Nob, and the light gets sucked out of his chest, and it disappears and vanishes, and the darkness fades. And then, um, and Nob, you see Nob's body crumble to dust, and the wind sweeps it away. And then I was just like, and as the wind sweeps it away, you just hear, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nob. Yep. Poor Nob. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> it's always the it's always the f- the most fun character who gets whisked away and crumbled to pieces. But yeah. Well, since we're on the topic D&D's of fun. uh nerdy shit, uh Anime Atlanta mm. happened in Atlanta uh just a, a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't know that this was going on. <clears throat> and I like I didn't even know that much about what Anime Atlanta is other than I'm assuming it has something to do with anime, and it happens in Atlanta. But it actually took place at my office park. Oh, weird. Because it's like a really nice office park with like a legit park in the middle of it, mm. uh, surrounded by all these buildings. And so I was just leaving work one day, and I'm like driving out, and I just see a bunch of people in cosplay. Some <laughs> good, some not so good. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And it was a bunch of teenagers, obviously. Yeah. It's a very odd experience. But hey, man, power to you. Like... The people that have the courage to own being a, I don't want to like judge, but like own that weird shit that they're into. Much respect, much respect to that. Especially when you're like a, by a bunch of older business people. <laughs> it was just, out it was office. very, it's a very dichotomous scene yeah. walking out of my office and seeing like someone carrying a buster sword <laughs> made of foam. <laughs> yeah. That's so, pretty yeah. awesome. That's funny. Uh, but uh, getting into kind of what we've been playing, watching and reading. So just to get it out of the way, and I don't want to spend a bunch of time on this cause we've talked about it to death already. Destiny 2. Yeah. So we we talked about this the other day. You're you're just kind of done. I'm pretty much done with it. I watched Giant Bomb play through the raid and saw everything the raid has to offer and I'm like I don't want to fucking play any of that. So then what's the just point? Just because it looks because I haven't seen anything. I've seen like images but no like actual gameplay of the raid. Is it does it just not look fun or does it look too hard or what turns you off about it? It looks like so the fun part is figuring out what to do. 
and like that was fun for the bathhouse stuff that I played like five hours of. But then once you know what to do and can't execute on it, it's so fucking frustrating. And that's all okay. those parts are is figuring out what to do and then struggling to execute on it because the mechanics just aren't very good. Um, mm. And then that final boss fight, like fuck that seven different ways. Like no way. I would never want to play that. That does not look fun. I'm going to have to check out, and I don't want to watch, to be honest with you, I don't want to watch Giant Bomb's 20-hour stream <laughs> to like, I watched get the whole experience of, of it. it but It's like three yeah, sessions of about eight hours. hours each. Yeah. Um, but I'll have to find some video online of someone that goes through it maybe a little faster. Yeah, I mean, you can just get so through it in a couple happens. hours. Yeah. Because I won't, I mean, I may play the raid at some point, but it won't be for several months when I can find some people that have done it a million times and just kind of like usher me through it. Yeah. Uh, cause I'm like, I'm not totally in the same boat as you. I'm not like just straight up done with destiny two. I'm definitely not excited about it anymore, but I still load it up once or twice a week just to grind out some like powerful gear challenges and maybe play a couple strikes. I actually played a strike. I was playing a couple days ago and I've played probably 30 to 40 strikes and this was the first time I was seeing this particular strike, which oh, is a whole other problem yeah. with Destiny 2. Like, yeah, we come talked on, about man. that last time. Don't, yeah, it just gives you the same ones over and over again. And there's really no reason to play strikes anymore. Right. Because you can get better gear in such easier, faster ways. But I, I've always liked the strikes. Like, if I have an hour to kill, that's what I would prefer to do is just play through three or four strikes. Um, so I'm sure I'll still check in and do that kind of thing. But I'm definitely not like logging in every day grinding it out i'm at power level 282 now um so like my stuff has been going up still fairly regularly which i'm kind of surprised about considering i've i've never done a nightfall i've never touched the raid but um yeah i'm, I'm kind of with you it's just like it, and that bums me out because destiny came out a month ago but i've played it for like 20 or 30 hours easily so even if I never touch it again, which I'm sure I will, like I got my money's worth. I had a yeah, good time yeah. with it. Me too. It's just, it's the same thing as Destiny 1 where because I play games by myself primarily, I'm just not getting anything out of it anymore. Right, yeah. I mean, so, I definitely had fun when I was playing like with you and Cody and Alex and, yeah. and those guys. Like that was that was fun, but it's like there are, like we're on the cusp of a bunch of games coming out. And so I'm ready to just sweep it under the rug and be done with it. Right. And I've been looking ahead to the DLC because they have a DLC coming out in the winter and then another in the spring. So I just kind of want to talk like from a perspective of we're both not super interested in Destiny anymore. What, if anything, could these DLCs do that would like make you want to come back in? Maybe there's nothing. I, yeah, I don't think there is anything that they would put out that I'd be like, yeah, I'm coming back. If there was like a, a, a long story, would that interest you? Like, yeah. were you intrigued by the way Destiny 2 ended in the story? Um, Yeah, there was enough enough that I somewhat almost paid attention to it. So I feel if there was a story thing with like a few more story missions... I might come back to play that with a couple people. Yeah. But then, I mean, that would be it. Right. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, too. I'm like, I <clears throat> thought Destiny 2's story was an improvement over the first because, you know, there was a story. Uh, I still didn't find it all that captivating or the no. characters interesting or the villain interesting. Uh, it was more like, 
the Halo style where once you get towards the end, there's a lot of cool set piece moments and that kind of drives you through. Yeah. But if like if there was a large story component of future DLC, I'd probably at least be interested in that. I don't know that that would be enough to make me spend $30 or whatever on the DLC. But for me, it's more about their regular updates than it is the actual paid DLC. Like what other free community events are going to be happening? Like they had this faction thing last week and that like there wasn't really anything new to do. It was just giving you an additional reward for all for doing the same types of things where you could go get new types of gear and new weapons with your faction. And like it wasn't that big of a thing. It wasn't super special, but it at least was a, an additional reason to play Destiny 2. Yeah. If they still regularly do that kind of thing. I'll probably still check in. I don't I'm with you. I don't know that there's really anything they can do from a DLC perspective that will like make me have to jump back in. Right. I'm a sucker, so I'll probably end up buying the DLC anyway. That's what I did with Destiny One. Um, but we'll see. It kind of depends on what else I'm playing at the time and how expensive this shit is. Because if they're charging like thirty bucks for this, like they did in the first game, it's just not worth it. Not enough content right. to be charging that much. Yeah, I, I can't so. justify the money on that. Yeah. Um uh, Beyond Destiny, I know you have played Cuphead, and I want to hear about you playing Cuphead. Yeah, so uh, my fiance Karen and I were playing it. Um, so I downloaded it on Windows 10, and then I realized I did not want to play it on the computer. But it's <laughs> Xbox Play Anywhere, so I went ahead and then downloaded it on my Xbox One, and then she and I played nice. it. Nice. So That's cool. I can actually so play it pay twice. Either either place. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's like save synchronized or not. I guess mm-hmm. I, I could always check, but so I don't know if like if I wanted to play it by myself, I could then just plug a controller in my computer and then keep playing there. I'm not sure how the okay. save stuff works, but yeah. So I bought it on uh, Windows the store, and then I was like, nah, I'd rather just play it on Xbox. So downloaded it there, and she and I played quite a bit of it. We're still on the first island, and we've only played it in one session, but it's a lot of fun. Like it's really hard. Um, yeah, but I've heard it's like it's all about learning patterns and memorizing, and um, so it's very Dark Souls in that aspect. Where when you're facing a boss, it's all about learning the patterns and the weak spots and the flow of the battles and everything like that. It's very similar to yeah. that. Um, I know, like last episode, we talked about people calling Cuphead uh, is like fetishizing. What, what was it? Difficulty. Fetishizing difficulty. Um, I don't know that this does that necessarily. It's not that it's glorifying the difficulty. It's that there is a way to do every boss battle and there's a way to avoid everything. And it's mm-hmm. leaving it up to the player to determine what that is uh, through trial It's very and technical. Error. Yeah. Like those kinds of games are very technical. Like yes. there is a right answer versus something like Dark Souls, which like is a lot more free form and just super hard to figure. Right. Like those bosses have patterns and shit too, but... There's a lot more room for um, improvising in that yeah, kind of game. Yeah, and room for error. Than, yes, because Cuphead. I mean, and I haven't, I haven't played it, but it seems very straightforward. Sounds like a bad word, but like, you know, it's a side scroller. You can only yeah. really move in two to a couple of directions. You can only shoot in a couple directions, and so it's not. There's not as many options for how to defeat something. Right. You just kind of have to do the thing correctly. Yeah, and like mechanics wise, there's not a lot. Pardon me. There's not a lot going on. It's all about execution, which yeah is fun. 
and like she and I were we were getting really frustrated at a couple levels, but we were still having fun playing it together. Because um, she and I don't get to play games together very often, just because there aren't that many games that we would both be interested in playing. Um, that are couch co-op, right? Um, so that was it. Was nice to be able to play something with her, and then like, because I mean, she's not bad at games. Like she's she's good at games, and so she was holding her own. Um, mm-hmm. There was one instance though where um, she died like <clears throat> really early into a boss battle, and then she's like, "Wipe, whatever." Well. We'll do it again. And I was like, don't want to fucking do this. And then I wound up beating it by myself. And she was like, how the hell did you do that? And then it made me feel really good. So, yeah, yeah it it's, has a lot of fun moments. And style-wise, like, I have never seen anything like that game. It is fucking yeah. fabulous. It is yeah. so cool. Um, that, that's my, like, issue with Cuphead. I mean, the larger issue is I don't have an Xbox One, so I'd have to play it on PC, and my PC doesn't run games very well. That's kind of, like, the base problem with me playing Cuphead. But also, like, I don't enjoy those super, super hard video games anymore, like we talked in the last episode. But the style is so amazing, and Cuphead, like, I still want to play yeah. it. So I need to figure out a way that I can play well, cause, it. Yeah, because the game isn't, like, dark and brooding. It's not, like, fuck you. Yeah. The game is, like, you're dead. Like, uh, it's a lot of, it's just, it's fun. It's, and it, it's so cool to look at. I saw a video of someone playing it on an old black and white tube TV, like with the dials and stuff. It was mm-hmm. so cool. What also, it makes it very difficult to play because anything that's colored pink, you can, um, uh, I forget what they call it. I forget what the term is, but you can like tap it and then it gives you an extra super, thing on your super meter because you're building up super as you hit stuff with your gun and if you get all five of the cards then it's like a super super or you can blow one card at a time and it's like a lesser super um and so if you hit one of those pink things and you like you bounce off it um uh you like you kind of like you can use it as like a double jump thing um which allows you to like avoid some enemy attacks and stuff but then it also helps build that super faster uh, so it's really mm-hmm. useful for boss battles. And then at the end of every boss, because the whole game is boss battles, there's the occasional run and gun is what they call them. And it's like side scrolling. It's so like you're going and going and going. And those are really hard levels too. Um, and then uh, and then there's the boss battle. So it's kind of those two um, those two types of, of levels. But the, the variety is insane. Um, yeah. I love all the boss designs. They're so They're cool. They're so cool. Yeah. And they feel and they feel very, right. All very different. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're very uh, true to the style and the in the period. I feel is the is the game harder playing co op or does it's it easier? Like, does the difficulty scale? So okay, uh, my so. friend Cody is playing it by himself, and he's like, "Oh, this boss was impossible." It's like it was really easy with two people because you're not sharing hmm. lives. You don't ha- okay. you don't get lives. You get health. So if you get to zero health, so here, here's another thing is. If your teammate dies, their little ghost starts floating up and has a pink heart. And so you can actually uh, tap the pink heart like a pink item, and it'll bring them the back things. with one health. Okay. So you cool. can like keep bringing each other back, but every time you die, the ghost moves up faster. So eventually sure. it moves up too fast for you to even get. But um, it allows you to stay in the game a lot more. So it is significantly easier cooperatively. Um, which my friend Cody's like, you need to play with me. So like, cause it's like freaking <laughs> impossible for me Yeah, uh, and I need help. So, but yeah, I don't know. That game is, 
game's really, really good, and I'm, uh, I was, I've been interested in it. It was one of those things that like they slid it into that sizzle reel of indie titles like a few years ago, and every everyone's mm-hmm. like, okay, indie title, indie title. I've seen this before. I've seen this before. What the hell is that? And then <laughs> yeah, the visual style. Yeah, it, it caught people's attention immediately, and so we've been like waiting and Cuphead, 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 Cuphead. What is it? When is it coming out? Um. And then when I heard it was like a boss rush game, I was like, oh, this doesn't appeal to me at right. all. But now that I'm playing it, it's a really good time. Cool. Yeah, I have to figure out some way to play that game at some point. Well, it's maybe just, when you're uh, in town for Thanksgiving, you and I can play it a bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but speaking of playing games with significant others, actually just last night, um, Kelly and I played or started to play episode one of life is strange before the storm okay and it's a solo game like we weren't playing together but she she likes watching me play the adventure game kind of thing because yeah. my wife's not a huge gamer person Karen and i did that with the original uh, she life likes is strange she watched me play and was like weighing in on what i should do yeah and so uh, it's not it's not good the game it's not it's not a good game honestly and That's what i was afraid of bums me out uh like it not that it's like an excuse or a cop-up but like it was made by different developers and it's a different main voice actress yeah. because they're made it during the voice actors strike but like i don't know it's just a worse everything is worse yeah. <laughs> than it was in the first game because i know like the life is strange season one was one of my favorite games from 2015 and just like the huge story beats and the cool time manipulation mechanic totally carried that game. Yeah. Because a lot of the dialogue could be cringy at times. Like I wrote in my review of it, like at times it really felt like a bunch of 40 year old white dudes writing dialogue for teenagers. And yeah. it's, kind of, it's just bad, like angsty bad. And this game is like that, but instead of a bunch of 40-year-old white dudes, it's like maybe a bunch of 50-year-old white dudes writing dialogue (laughs) for teenagers. And it's just so painful, to be honest with you. And it's not that the voice acting in particular is bad, but it's like they recorded everything in a vacuum where they had no context for what they were saying. So, like, in conversations, like the main Chloe character is like yelling at her mom, straight up screaming at her. And then the mom's like, yeah, you know, you just don't respect me anymore. (laughs) She has like no emotion in her voice to react to what's happening. And it's just like, it really kills the emotion of these scenes. And like the other probably largest problem is instead of these time manipulation mechanics in order to keep it from being more than just like you walk around look at things and talk to people they added this like insult battle mechanic where in order to progress through a next thing like you you try to talk to somebody about something because you want something from them and they aren't telling you or giving you or whatever and so then you hit triangle which sets off this little mini game where you insult them until they give up and tell you what you want. Which, like, when it first started in the first area, as it's kind of tutorializing it, I was like, this is a cute idea. It makes sense for the Chloe character. She's so, like, annoying and punk rock. This makes sense yeah. as long as it's done She's well. She's so edge. And it's not... Yes, exactly. It's just, it's not done well because the, the dialogue is so poorly written. Right. That, like, the whole thing that you do, it's... 
it pisses me off because it's like a fucking kids game the way this is set up, only with lots of swearing. <laughs> where like the what you're supposed to do is the dude will insult you, and it gives you four options to respond, and the option you're supposed to pick has a word in it that he used. So if he's like, "Yo, I'd ride, I'll run over you with my motorcycle," it'll give you four options, and one of them's like screw you and one of them's like you're old and then one of them's like you don't even know how to ride a motorcycle and so you're supposed to pick the one about a motorcycle because that's in response to what he just said and so it really oversimplifies the decision making but the larger thing is just that they're really lame insults and so at the end of it like once you fill your meter and you quote unquote defeat him he's like yeah you know you don't give up i respect that and I'm just like, really? This 17-year-old girl just threw a bunch of really lame puns at you, and you were impressed by that? I don't know. It's not good. <laughs> and like, and technically, there's something with the camera that I've experienced in other games where <clears throat> I was trying to figure out how I can describe this. Because I was just trying to describe it to Kelly, too. Because like, as I'm playing it, the camera's just like totally out of whack, going all over the place. She's like, what's what is happening? Why are you like, why can't you look at this thing? And it's because when you move the joystick, the camera doesn't move immediately. It's like a millisecond delay. Yeah. And then when you stop moving the joystick, there's a millisecond delay before it'll stop. So okay. it's like, and it also speeds up the longer you hold the joystick to move the camera. So like it moves slowly at first and then speeds up. And then when you let go, it keeps going. And so it's just like uh, it all adds up to the the fucking game is walk around and look at shit. That is the entire fucking game. <laughs> and I can't even do that the way I want to so, do it because they fucked up the camera yeah, so, so bad. There's like animation priority bad. on the camera. Yes. Which is really it's, weird. It's it is it is bad. And I feel like I've seen that for before. maybe an hour. And because she was really excited, but we were trying to figure out what we were gonna do last night. We we're like, ah, oh, should we watch the show or do this thing? Or, you know, we can do our own thing tonight. And she was like, oh, can we like, cause I had brought up that I actually bought life is strange the day I found out that I was losing my job oh. just as like a, Oh, I want to play something else. So she was like, Oh, let's play that game. And she was really excited about it. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So we played it. And after like 20 minutes, she was like, yeah, we can stop if you want. <laughs> so I'm, I will finish this first episode because to be fair, the first game started really slow and it didn't have these other issues I'm talking about, but the story of it wasn't that interesting. And the dialogue was pretty cringy in that first yeah. episode. So like, I'm still crossing my fingers that it will at least have some hook at the end. But right now, like it's just a straightforward adventure game where you just walk around and talk to people. There's no mis- mystery happening. It's just an angsty teenager who is so fucking annoying in the first place and unlikable. I don't know. It's a bad game and it bums me out. But hopefully it doesn't continue to be a bad game. Right. Um, so what else you got? Still playing more Wolfenstein Old Blood. Got a little further mm-hmm. in that on my replay of that. Um, and when does uh, when does Wolfenstein Two come out? Uh, it's soon, right? Yeah. Is it this month? No, I think it's November. Yeah, I'm looking it up too. No, it's at the end of the month, October 27th. Oh, okay. Dang, yeah, that's sneaking up on us. Um, yeah, so you better finish Old Blood. Yeah, I really need to. Um, I played the Call of Duty World War II PC beta last weekend. Oh, nice. 
And um, you were you were already pretty sold on this game. Yeah, M1 Garand, and boy does that <laughs> gun feel good. Um, it's just it's been a little while since I played like a. I mean, it's been a little while since I played Call of Duty, uh, seriously, but um, it's been a very long time since I played a Call of Duty that feels like it's back to the fundamentals. And this one does cool things where there's now, like, sort of a Battlefield-like mode, sort of a Battlefield Rush-like mode where you're going from objective to objective, and then you're, like, pushing back if they... So if you're defending a point and they take it, you push back to the next point, and then they... You have to defend that one. Um, and depending on the map, there are different objectives. Uh, in the beta, there was only one of those type of maps. And it was the first one, you're trying to hold this communications building. And if they take that over, then you're trying to hold, you're trying to prevent them from building a bridge because they're going to bring like tanks across or something because they're trying to destroy your AA guns, I think is the main goal. Okay. Um, and so you're on one side of the map of this like ravine, and there's a like demolished bridge and they're trying to they're they're like they're fucking just throwing their bodies on the bridge and holding square and trying to progress it and you're just trying to mow them down faster than they can come at you uh and that's pretty cool it's also a little frustrating from the attacker perspective um because if your team isn't coordinating like oh i need someone on the right and the left to handle snipers in the windows I need, like, at least three people dedicated to trying to build the bridge at any given time. We all need to rush together. Like, if you're not coordinating, it's not going to work. So um, that's tough. That's a tough mode to do with just a bunch of randos. Um, But just, like, the team deathmatch stuff, like, the guns that they have, they feel really, really good. And some of the attachments and stuff, they make them look period appropriate, but they're totally not. Like, there's, like, (laughs) a cross RDS scope that you put on this MP40 and like yeah. it look it fits on the gun and the glass is kind of like modeled or whatever but it's but that still didn't exist, didn't exist. <laughs> um yeah. so you kind of forgive it that at certain parts sure, um, sure, sure. it is a video yeah game. but I, just, I had a lot of fun with it and on pc um it's it's so fast paced is the thing i always loved about call of duty is how fast it was like from the time you die, just mash square, mash square, mash squares, like skip the kill cam, I don't give a shit, I need to kill people, and yeah. boom, you're back in. Like right away, boom, mm-hmm. boom, quick turnaround. Um, and like my first match, I went even on KD, and then my second match, I had like a 3.0 KD. And I was like, I'm mm-hmm. back in it, baby! <laughs> and then like I didn't have a single match where I was a negative KD um, yeah. uh, all last weekend. And I played probably like 20, 25 matches, so that made me feel really good too. And I know, like, the only people who are going to be playing that are hardcore Call of Duty people that are checking the beta out. Sure. Um, so that that made me feel pretty good, and it was, it was a lot of fun. So now my my decision that I have to make is, do I get it on PC, PS4, PC. or do I get it on yeah. PS4? Because you're getting it on PS4? I mean, uh, like, I'll be honest with you. I miss Call of Duty days. Like, I miss being... Like, the game that got me hardcore in a Call of Duty was Modern Warfare 2. I played a little bit of Modern Warfare 1, but that was it. Modern Warfare 2 was, like, the game. I played it for, like, two hours every single day, all day on Saturday. And then I I hated Black Ops because I just didn't like the feel of it. 
and then I played a shit ton of Modern Warfare 3 as well, even though I didn't like that game as much. And then that was kind of it. Like, I played Black Ops 2 for a bit. I don't even remember what other Call of Duties there were. But, like, that was kind of it. That was my couple of years of Call of Duty. And I, like, it was so much fun. It was so frustrating because I'm so competitive. But it was fun. And I do miss those days. But part of it's more like I was in college when that happened. And that's maybe more what I miss. Than I miss, like, being with my buddies playing than, I, than the actual game. Sure. So when I think about playing the actual game, I was fucking pissed the entire time. <laughs> And I just can't do that anymore, dude. I broke my hand playing multiplayer video games. Yeah. I can't do it. It's just not for me. And I'm going to get Star Wars Battlefront 2 because it's Star Wars and I want to play the single player. And I'm sure I'll play the online. A lot of what I'm seeing is turning me off because the heroes are like the only thing about that game. Yeah, I hate and that. And I don't like that. But I'm not, I'm not like saying, no, I'm not getting Call of Duty. But I will tell you this. If you get it on PC, there is zero chance I will be buying it. So, I'm going to get it on PC, and then if you decide, okay, maybe I'd like to try it, I will also buy it on PS4, because I'm an (laughs) insane person. Well, because I'll I'll get, like, the all the DLC package, like the hardened edition, whatever they call it now, on PC, and then if Uh you get it on PS4, I'll just get, like, the vanilla game with you, because odds are you'll be done with it before you even want to play the DLC, before that even comes out. Oh, definitely. (laughs) That's probably what I'll wind up yeah, doing. Yeah, I definitely $160 for Call of Duty. I, I am seeing a very small chance that I will be getting it. Um, I still would like to go back and play like the single player modes of the previous couple of Call of yeah, Duties. Me too. Just because the set pieces, like they're so fun. And like I would like to play the single player of this, but I'm not going to pay $60 to play a six hour mindless shooter campaign. So. Yeah. I really wish. And if. if and, like, no games do this, and I don't understand why. I really wish they would segment, they would have options digitally for you to purchase the campaign of a game or the multiplayer of a game. I'm sure they have data that says if they did that, they would lose money. Otherwise, I guess. they totally would. Like, if it was, here you can play the multiplayer for 40 and you can buy the single player for 20 I'm sure they have data that says, well, no one, like, already only a fraction of our player base plays the single player. So that means we're charging less money for the people that are only going to play the multiplayer when they're already willing to pay $60 to only play the multiplayer. That's true. So from a business perspective, I'm sure they've run those numbers and it just doesn't yeah, make sense. That makes sense. Yeah. From a user, like from a consumer perspective, totally agree with you, but it's a business. They don't give a shit about consumers. Right. <laughs> um, so that's kind of all I've been playing lately. So, I'm still Fallout 4 modded, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, as far as like what I've been watching and stuff, because most of it's pretty much the same. We have two episodes left of The Leftover Season 2, and I'm back in. I know I was talking about it last episode, <laughs> that like it was, a, it was really weird, and it still is a really weird transition for the show. But um, it's just, uh, it's such a phenomenally written, acted, scored, and directed show, which is like, like it's the whole package. And the story is interesting because, like, it, it's like that first season of Lost where it teases these larger mysteries, but not so much where it's, like, the only thing. Yeah. But it's also, like, the that larger mystery isn't the point. It's about these characters trying to live their lives and deal with their, you know, unique problems. Um, 
it's just a really good show. And I, I'm still curious to see how the whole thing wraps up. Because I I, uh, I wrote a review for season one that will be coming out uh, soon. But I was looking for images for it. And as I was searching, I saw, thankfully I didn't get any spoilers, but I saw two posts when I searched for The Leftovers that like the first post was why The Leftovers is the most underrated show of all time. And then the next post was why was The Leftovers so disappointing? So it's <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not sure one way or the other the way it's going to go, but I'm back in. I'm glad that I'm enjoying it more. And it's one of those shows where because it's a drama I typically have to be in the right kind of mood to want to watch it. But this show, it's so engrossing. Like, I'll watch an episode every day. I don't care. Like, I, it doesn't matter. If we're sitting and eating dinner, where we would normally just like, hey, let's watch an episode of The Office while we eat dinner. No, I want to watch an episode of The Leftovers. So it's really, really grabbing me. Um, we also finished the most recent season of So You Think You Can Dance and Food Network Star. And I know you care so much about this, Kyle. Oh, yeah. But... On Food Network Star, the person we wanted to win did win, which was cool. But the person we wanted to win and So You Think You Can Dance did not win, which was a bummer. And in both scenarios, I was okay with two people winning, but there was one person I was really rooting for. And so we got one, but not the other. So it's like, okay. hey, man, you can't win them all. That's right. Um, but we also started watching because now we're done with our existing competition shows. We started watching Top Chef. And, like, just as a quick aside, the fucking uh, culinary community, how pretentious are these people? Because that's one of the things that I really liked about Food Network Star is it's made for people like me that are that enjoy the competition of it, that are interested in food and like food. But it's also about, like, the personality of these people. Top Chef, it is all about the cooking. That's all it is. They, all they do is fucking cook. And there's, like, drama that happens, which I could give two shits about. But it's not, like, there's no spectacle to it. It's about food, food, food. And because it's about food and not, like, making food accessible to people like me, it's all about how crazy, impressive can their food be and their explanations of it. I just feel, like, left behind when I'm watching that show. I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about ever. And it's just, it feels very inside baseball all the time. It's still fun to watch because the food looks amazing, but it's it's not the same. I'm not getting the same joy that I get from some of these other shows. Right. So what about you? Um, I feel a little bad because last weekend, Kara and I were celebrating our anniversary, so we had like a day at home. Um, and I played the Call of Duty World War II beta. Uh, she she said she wanted to like have a day where we just watch the Lord of the Rings extended editions. And so she started fellowship and I, I realized I cannot just watch those movies anymore. I've seen them so many times. I can't just watch them anymore. I have to be doing something Hmm. else. Like they can be on in the background. I have to be doing something else. Like I just can't sit there anymore. have you watched them regularly? Is that why? Well, so last year, um, my D&D group and I, we got together and we watched all three extended Hobbits and all three extended Lord of the Rings movies in a day. Um, and that's like 22 that's hours or 23 yeah. hours or something. And so we were up that whole time and we... Kind of we at certain points like we were playing D and D during the Hobbit movies because they aren't as good. But then there was right. a time where we were sitting there watching them, and it, it was tough, to, really tough to do that. And so maybe I just still haven't recovered from that. 
Right. I just I just need like, a couple I, like, of years without him. You bringing it up like that makes me want to watch them, and I wouldn't want to watch all three of them right in a row. That's too yeah. much. I like I've done that several times before, and it's been amazing. But like I don't have the time for that right now. Um, but I would to- like after this podcast, I would totally go watch Fellowship of the Ring and be excited about it. So maybe it's just because like I haven't seen those in a while. The last because I, I feel the same way about the Star Wars movies. I've seen those countless times, and like yeah. I would go watch all six Star Wars movies today. Because the last time I watched them, I watched, um, oh no, it was a different thing. There was some experience, it was um, on my birthday, on April 12th, I watched episode four. And then like, I had a really shitty day, maybe a month later, and I was like, ah, I'm going to watch Empire Strikes Back. So then I watched that, and then like maybe a couple days later, just to kind of finish the trilogy, I watched episode six. So it's been three months, four months, maybe even longer, since I've watched like all three. And I would totally go watch those again. So I don't know. Maybe it's just because you watched them and marathoned them semi-recently. Yeah. And you just need some space. I know. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think I need space. So I feel bad like she was on the couch watching them and I was not. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Well, maybe if it was on your anniversary and this is the thing that she wanted to do, maybe you should have done it with her instead of playing video games. Yeah, but. I just I, I couldn't sit there. Like I tried for yeah. like 15 minutes. And I was like, I can't do this. I, I can't sit here. Um, I also especially saw, with Lord of the Rings, those are like yeah. heavy. Those right. are they're very long, they're slow. Like yeah, it's yeah, it's different than something like Star Wars, which is action packed. Right, and like fun from start to finish. Um, yeah. I also saw it in theaters. Nice, yeah. It was a very good horror movie. Um, like cool. There were a lot of ups and downs, like a lot of like actually funny moments that had you laughing and then moments that like had you like clenched in your seats a couple of jump cheap jump scares that I wasn't all sure. about but there were several scenes that were really atmospheric and directed well and had a really good ramp up to like the scary moment um nice it was it was really good i enjoyed it um i, I i'm assuming they're making another one because it was like yeah they've already announced that they're making part yeah two. i would i would be interested in seeing that um because i thought they they did a really nice job with it i thought it was it was shot and directed well and the effects were good and uh the clown was really unsettling yeah um just because his features when he's not like super scary teeth stuff like just his features and the way his mouth moves and stuff, he's still unsettling and like mm-hmm. like something's not natural about him even mm-hmm. from that uh, from that point. Um, yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. As someone that you know hates horror movies, is it still something that I would enjoy or like something at least that from a pretentious entertainment industry person that i would like appreciate and is worth me seeing like is it that good that even despite hating horror movies i should see it i think you might still get something out of it i wouldn't say go to the theaters and watch it it. i would say Redbox. i didn't want you to say that i wanted you to encourage me to not see it because i don't want to go see it (laughs) because i'm a scaredy cat well also it is like your original horror movie that you had a bad experience with the original hit so yeah. I, I don't. It might be worse for you than it was for me because I've never seen the original, um, and okay. I don't have that experience like nagging in the back of my mind. 
like you do. But um, I think there are still things for you to appreciate and enjoy in that movie because there are parts that are funny and like are feel good and fun and like it makes you forget the horror for a little while. Uh, okay. But then it comes back at full force. Um, <laughs> but the end, the end of the movie is like a really feel good power trip for the main characters. Cool. There's a really good sequence yeah, there that you're like, fucking yeah! Uh, <laughs> finally! Um, it's I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, Ugh. Yeah. And I will be... Well, should be. Let me check my phone. Um, yes, I will. I will. can confirm. I will be seeing Blade Runner tonight. Oh, nice. It, you, I'm assuming you've seen the original. I love the original. Have we talked about yeah. this? Okay, great. Because I, I, I didn't see original Blade Runner for like a long time because I went through my whole hipster phase. Yeah, I mean, I saw it like, like last year. Everybody... Okay, because so, everybody like in high school and even going into college, everybody talked about how fucking awesome Blade Runner is, and you got to see it. It's you know it made like the sci-fi steampunk thing like super cool, and I was like, no, fuck you, I don't like because it's popular and cult a cult hit makes me not want to see it. And people which, like, were annoying back, about it. Grow up, Shay. Like yes, people were annoying about it, but grow up, Shay. And so <laughs> I did eventually watch it. Several years ago, probably like a decade ago at this point. Uh, but, like, I appreciated it, but because it was so far removed, a lot of what was impressive about it at the time was no longer impressive necessarily. So, like, for me, it was like, it's a good sci-fi movie. It's not this amazing cult whatever. And so, the new one, I'm less interested in it because of that. It's not like returning to this thing I love. It's like, yeah, this it's a sequel to a good movie. So, I don't know. I'm not going to go spend money to go see it in theaters. I do want to see it because I've heard that it's incredible. Yeah, so, there, there's a lot of really we'll good see. reviews floating around there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll have I'll have thoughts about it on the next podcast. Yeah, provided my plans don't fall through tonight. Um, <laughs> hopefully not. But um, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Because that's all I've got. Um, I want to talk about some news. That's what I want to talk about. Heck yeah. Transitions. <laughs> uh, so a couple like big trailers have come out. So two I want to hit on first because they're kind of like less impactful. But there's a Hey Arnold movie coming out. Right? Isn't that super weird? And yes, it is super weird. And it's purely Nintendo cashing in on the nostalgia. Right, Nickelodeon. Because the entire premise of the movie is like Arnold's going to find out about his parents. Which is something that was never really answered in the show. Right. And so they're making a movie about it now where they like they go I don't remember the name of the country, but they go to where his parents like vanished and they're trying to figure it out and whatever. And I don't know. Like I loved Hey Arnold and Kelly actually she's been watching it like just for fun when she's making dinner because it's on Hulu. But um I don't know, the trailer didn't do a ton for me. Like it it seemed weird because it was like the the trailer it still seems like a show written for kids, but it isn't. It's written for us. Yeah, who now. Like yeah, it's the written people for who young adults. Kids. And like yes. it has all of the same like returning jokes and stuff. And I was I was watching yeah. it and I was like These were funny, but they're not right. to me anymore. Like these jokes aren't funny <laughs> to me anymore. And I guess it's yeah. like it's been so long since I consumed any Hey Arnold media that it's mm-hmm. it's not like 
it's not like coming home again or anything. You know, it's not that level of right. nostalgia. But I don't know. Like I, w- I won't see it in theaters. Like I might, you know, I'll watch it at some point. But it's not like I'm yeah, gonna go same. see it in theaters. You know, um, it's yeah. just really bizarre. Hey Arnold, out of nowhere. Well, I think it's because they recently put a lot of those old Nickelodeon shows on Hulu, and I'm sure they've been wildly successful, and they can track, you know, they don't share a lot of that stuff, but they can track who's watching what, and I bet you a lot of people have been watching Hey Arnold, and so it's like, oh, we can make some money off of this, because a bunch of 20-somethings are watching Hey Arnold right now. Right. Um, also, new trailer released for uh, an actual Hulu original in partnership with Marvel, new show the runaways which is obviously based on the comic runaways and it's like i never got super into this comic because it was kind of like teeny bopper superheroes which never really appealed to me because i started reading comics in college um it's to me this is because like the show looks fine it didn't really jump out at me one way or the other but to me it's interesting because marvel up to this point everything they've done has been on Marvel affiliate, or I guess Disney-owned networks like ABC, ABC Family, and and partnering with Netflix on like Netflix shows, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, etc. And so now they're doing this show on Hulu, and it just seems odd because like it makes sense for them to spread it as far as possible because anybody that could would want to make a Marvel show because yeah. it's so popular, but it felt like they were trying to keep it a little more insular so they could control it a little bit more and have a little bit more, make sure all the universes tie together. And this, because it's spreading out so much, I feel like that's not going to continue to happen. But that was just, I just thought it was weird when they announced the show was going to be on Hulu. It just seemed weird. But I think because of the demographic, it's about teenagers. Like it feels more appropriate for something like Hulu. Um, But like this show, at least the trailer, like this could easily be an ABC show or even an ABC family show. I don't know. It just seems odd that they went with Hulu for this, but um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that the, the dialogue didn't seem like it was very well written or acted necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it felt like CW kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not the highest quality, but I'm sure it's totally fine. Like, there was nothing about this that maybe like cringe, like watching the trailer for, for the Inhuman show. Right. Like, that was like that was actively bad. terrible. There was nothing terrible about this. It just didn't really jump out at yeah, me. Yeah. It just, yeah. and especially because uh, Fox, because they own X Men, they have their gifted show, which is about like young people mutants. And so it, this feels kind of like competitive. Yes. Like Marvel's doing their young superheroes while Fox is doing their young superheroes. Yeah. They feel very similar to me. So curious to see how that kind of stuff shakes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to take... Because I know like this is a fairly large deal about uh, what Nintendo is doing and how they're treating YouTubers. So do you want to lead us into that? Yeah. So... Um... Nintendo released an update to their, they have what they call creators partners, which uh, it's through YouTube, and basically you have to be a Nintendo creators partner in order to monetize any um, Nintendo gameplay videos or anything featuring any Nintendo properties. You have to be a partner to monetize it, otherwise they take your videos down. Um, and it's like a revenue share where yes, it's not, you don't a, just a get significant portion of the revenue goes to Nintendo. Yeah. Um, I think it's 60% goes to Nintendo and then YouTube takes their cut. Right. I think that is correct. But so yeah. it's like, so it's the, not, it's kind of shitty. It, already, it, it, it makes it, worse. it makes it not worth it 
to do yes. the uh, to do videos featuring Nintendo products because that is like for as people who do YouTube for business uh, from their perspective, like I can I can make X amount of money doing this new Call of Duty video or I can make X amount of money divided or like times point one or whatever, like make 10% of the amount by doing yeah. this video. So cost per uh, like money per time investment ratio is way off. ROI. Yeah. Um, and so they've released an update. Um, they sent out an email to people who are part of their creators Um they have a new policy on live streaming their games, which means, and, and that new policy is basically banning it for monetization and <laughs> kind of at all. Um, yeah. So, like, they don't want anyone live streaming Nintendo products. Uh, and the new policy is, is this is how it's stated in the email. Live streaming on YouTube falls outside the scope of the Nintendo Creators Program. This means that you cannot broadcast content on YouTube Live from the account you have registered to the Nintendo Creators Program. So, basically, in order to live stream Nintendo products, you have to make a different account and you can't monetize it. Yep. So, it's like, here's Nintendo yet again showing that they have... No idea and no respect for the current climate of games, smear quotes, journalism, um, or how people organically um, are exposed to their products. They have no fucking clue. Um, yeah. It's this Nintendo doing like, their own thing like, again in a bad way. It's like the Wild West still, like with video like streaming it. and like just YouTube in general, just like what constitutes fair use and it's a very loose definition legally it's you know it has to be transformative in some way and so like you can make the argument that someone playing a video game and uploading it is transformative because that is the only exact way that they played the game. Like no one else will make that exact gameplay. And so it is theirs. It is transformative. They are playing the game, but at the other side, like they don't own that IP. The people that own it can decide how it is used. It's just, it's, it's, there are a lot of fair use discussions happening with the FCC for sure. Right about now. And this is just another piece of that. But yes, the larger point, or maybe it's not the larger point, but the more specific point is Nintendo just doesn't fucking get it. No, <laughs> they, they just, never they have. They're incapable of it. Um, yeah, they they don't understand how the masses consume media in this day and age. Like they're right. so far removed in their own incubator that they just they don't get it anymore. Um, or and like, what's the difference between live streaming and uploading a recorded video? Exactly. I don't understand um, why they would make that differentiation. Yeah, I guess because as it is being live streamed, they do not have the control over a over it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It's mm, I'm frustrated about it. So fucking whatever. <laughs> it doesn't even affect me really. Um, I mean, yeah. it may affect me as someone who like would watch, would watch something. something like that yes. to inform a decision on whether or not to buy a product. Um, yes. So th- in that re- uh, in that respect, it affects me. And so 
from that angle, fuck Nintendo. But it kind of it all goes back to the larger my larger feeling on this that like I'm not saying that any of this is okay, and especially what YouTube and the advertisers on YouTube have done, where like a lot of people their videos are just no longer monetized because right. they use harsh language or it's like whatever sexually suggestive where advertisers no longer want to be associated. And like from a company perspective, I understand all of that. And it obviously has a real effect on human beings using this as a business to pay their bills. But it comes back to my larger point on this whole thing of like, if you work in a field where your compensation is completely 100% at the whims of, of some larger corporate entity that has no investment in you. It's not like you're asking for this, but like you should know what you're getting into. Yeah. This isn't this isn't a small business. Like literally these YouTube creators have no control over how much money right. they make. Zero. Like YouTube could just come in and change the rev share model. They've already changed multiple times how recommended videos work and how subscriptions work, which is a huge driver for views of people on YouTube. Like, I don't know, man. It's it is a scary place for people that do YouTube full time and Twitch kind of in the same uh, conversation as that. And it's one of those where like like I totally feel for those people because I feel like a lot of these business practices suck. But at the end of the day. Like, people are making money from YouTube and really Google, like, for free. Like, it's, they aren't really offering any specific value to Google by posting videos other than bringing ads. And so people get to view those ads. So Google makes money from the ads. But, like... If those advertisers don't want to be associated with those videos, Google gets no benefit from the people uploading videos. And then there's the whole conversation about people uploading videos that aren't monetizing. Because I know this was a big thing that was affecting um, Danny O'Dwyer with his no clip. YouTube is cracking down and changing the way external links work. So like people will post an external link in their description and YouTube is like changing the way that works and potentially not allowing that anymore. Because like at least for Danny O'Dwyer, the way he does, like he runs his business through Patreon. So it's basically a perpetual Kickstarter where his viewers are the ones paying him every month. He uploads those videos to YouTube and does not put ads on them because all of his money is coming from his viewers. He doesn't want additional ad revenue and it helps him stay kind of separated from that. So basically YouTube is allowing him to host his videos on their platform for free. They aren't making any money from his videos and he is making money externally through a different source than Google. So like, yes, it seems pretty fair that Google would be like, Yo, this, no, like, this isn't cool anymore. If it was different where, like, he was paying Google to host his videos on YouTube, that's a different conversation. Because then there's, like, some sort of um, mutual benefit of that. But there isn't. Google is letting him make money on their platform and they're getting nothing from it. So, like, again, it totally makes sense from a business perspective and taking the emotion out of it. You can't blame them for this. But it fucking sucks for the people creating these and relying on this avenue to make money. I mean, YouTube is the number two search engine on the internet behind Google, who owns YouTube. So, like, what else are they going to do? Post on fucking uh, Vimeo? Like, it's, I don't, it's, 
it's weird, weird times, and it's only going to get more complicated before it gets better. Yeah. Uh, yeah things will things will get worse, that's for sure. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> On a similar topic of maybe questionable corporate policies, uh, Bethesda released their Creation Club mods for Skyrim following up the releases for Fallout 4, which we talked about last episode. So uh, we don't need to go into the nitty-gritty of what all of these are. You can check them out for yourself. But basically, on a, on a broad sense, there's a bunch of armor and weapons from Oblivion and, like, the Shivering Isles DLC. And they're super expensive. Like, I think there is, there's a bow that looks cool-ish. It, it's really ugly, but it's, like... Very well designed, but it's fucking four dollars for a bow. Four dollars. Yep. And then there's like a big hammer that's like three bucks. It's just fucking crazy how expensive some of this shit is. And they're also they also have quote unquote new types of spells, which are basically they just combine existing spells. None of them are actually new. Like there's no new mechanics, but like there's a spell that combines invisibility and water breathing and night vision into one spell. Like, does that really constitute a new spell? I don't know, but that's just me. And then they also added elemental arrows, which there is already an amazing mod that I played with for a long time on Skyrim on PC for free on the Nexus that does essentially the same thing. Um, This version has some additional, like, effects to it because it's an officially endorsed Bethesda mod so there's obviously more work put into it but the elemental arrows mod on the nexus is free right this one i think is only like a dollar 50 which is fairly reasonable because it's a lot of different kinds of elemental arrows there are arrows that you shoot that when you shoot them they freeze in midair and then once you release it then they go and that's like a cool thing that isn't included in this free nexus version but it's just like it, it feels like maybe an improvement over the first, but still, like for these armor and weapon mods, there aren't any real quests associated with them. It's like this dude out in the wild is wearing this piece of armor. Go kill him and you get it. Like that's not a quest. It's better than Fallout 4 with the prey armor, where it just like literally puts it in your inventory. Yeah. At least you do something to earn this. But I don't know. It's a step in the right direction, but like a very small. It's like a like a shuffle step. It's not like a full step right. in the right direction, and the prices are still just completely out of control. Yeah, and I mean like, uh, they continue having more sales and stuff on the Fallout Four thing, like where they'll have just stuff right. for free. Um, so I and I bet you it's because they're not selling. Yeah, and so that, that, that has to why. inform their prices. So, um, maybe this leads to. Like the prices go up high and then they go on sale and then because people are like oh it's on sale so it's finally slightly more reasonable so now I'll buy it and instead of yeah. so if they put something up for four dollars no one's gonna pay the four dollar price a couple people might and then they go oh it's fifty percent off it's two dollars and maybe two dollars is still too much for that DLC but people are like well at least it's not four so then they'll buy it too <laughs> you know instead as opposed right. to just releasing it too. Um, right, I don't people know. feel like they're getting a deal. Right, uh, it's classic, classic marketing tactic. Yeah. that's like the whole thing about um, these like wholesale stores of like, if stuff isn't any cheaper, it's it's just that like they raise the price and then it's seventy percent right. off, but it's still the same price it would have been normally. They just raised it in advance. Right. Fucking retail is the worst. Yep. 
So tell me about this mini Commodore 64. Oh my god. So this thing is bizarre. Um, this is obviously in response to the SNES and the NES classics. Um, so Retro Games Limited announced it's a fully licensed Commodore 64 mini. It's coming next year. Um, it's considered, <laughs> quote unquote, a perfectly formed replica, but it's uh, <laughs> essentially half the size of the original. Um, uh, it uh, has an uh, HDMI port and two USB ports. Uh, can be used as a home computer, just like the original. So, because people used to like program stuff on their Commodore 64s, um, this right. still has that feature set, which is kind of interesting. Um, it also comes with a uh, a joystick um, that is not styled after the original Commodore joystick or anything, um, but it has 64 pre-installed games like Chips Challenge, California Games, and Impossible Mission. Um, it's supposed to release early next year with uh, a price tag of 70 bucks, uh, which I think is on par with uh, NES and SNES Classics. Maybe yeah, that more. seems fairly reasonable. Like, if you're interested in yeah. this. Um, I don't know how long the joystick cable is. <laughs> so so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that. Yeah. But it's just, like, it's super weird. Like, it's now weird. all of these companies are going to do this. Um, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, Atari did the same thing. and it was, Or I guess it wasn't Atari that did it. It was uh, some external company. But apparently that was super shitty. But then obviously the NES Classic and the SNES Classic. Which, quick aside, Nintendo did come out and say that they're going to be releasing more of the NES Classics and the SNES Classics. Probably not till next year, I believe they yeah. said. But uh, if you really want one of those, you should have another shot. Yeah, at there's another one. production run. I I am still interested in both of those. Like, I'm not interested in the Commodore 64. I have no attachment to that system. But I would still be interested in getting an NES Classic and or an SNES Classic. It's just like, I don't want to pay 100 bucks for it. Right. I don't know. It's just still just like a lot of money to pay for something like that that has like a lot of kitschy value. And I'm sure I'll play some games, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time with it. And then it's just going to sit in my living room. I don't know. I definitely wasn't going to, like, sit by the pre-order line and make sure I get one. But if they're wildly available where, like, I can go to Target and pick one up, I'll think about it. Yeah, same. Um, honestly, I'd rather have an SNES. Like, I'd rather have the actual Just because console. of those games? Oh, 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 an actual SNES. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, and then, finally, new game announcement called Never Stop Sneakin'. Um, yeah. Which actually comes from the creator of Dust and Elysian Tale, which was a cool game. I never got like hardcore into it, but it was one of those games that like I appreciated. But this is like right up your alley, Kyle, because it looks and feels and sounds like a Metal Gear Solid parody. It is. It totally is. Um, like you've got the Colonel given the orders, and it's a, it's a top down stealth game, uh, mm -hmm. specifically for the Switch. It's being made for the Switch, um, right? And it's a lot of, like, really tongue-in-cheek, on-the-nose kind of humor, like, making fun of Metal Gear Solid and kind of itself. Hold up real quick. Yeah. Tongue-in-cheek and on-the-nose are antonyms. Just just throwing that out there. Those mean completely opposite things. I misused on-the-nose. I meant tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Um, sorry to sorry no, to like right. you know bring forth my grammar Nazi. You're right. Sometimes I just but say yes, shit. Yes, I would. I would actually. You know what? 
I would say that in this context, you are right because there are lots of tongue-in-cheek kind of in jokes for Metal Gear Solid yeah. fans and also a lot of very obvious jokes for people like me that aren't Metal Gear Solid fans, but like I know the games that I still appreciated. Like, the main boss is the vice president who is a helicopter. Yes. <laughs> who is actually a helicopter. Vice, vice president helicopter who is a helicopter. Yes. Um, and, like, there's, uh, like, Dr. Acula, who's a vampire, which is a, clearly a parody of vampire. Well, they think they think he's a vampire. Yeah, they, like, pretty, he's probably a vampire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it just looks like a lot of fun. Um, I don't know about yeah. the, if the gameplay seems like it's really good or not or something sure. really interesting, but like the tone of it and the writing, it's all a lot of fun, um, and it's right right up my alley because it's it's very it's making fun of Metal Gear Solid, which um, I'm a very big fan of, um, <laughs> yeah. and cannot forget uh, we teased it last podcast episode, but um, uh, uh, so Rockstar was talking about, like, a big new announcement thing. And that announcement is Red Dead Redemption 2, and they released a trailer for it. Um, if you have not seen this, you must go watch it, because it looks really good. So you're uh, you're playing as... <clears throat> yep, the guy's name that escapes me. But, it, okay, so you played as John Marston, the first Red Dead Redemption, and he... Um, the first Red Dead takes place presumably after the second one. And John Marston like was running with a gang for a while and it's this guy's gang and they did some bad shit that John Marston's like trying to atone for in the first Red Dead. And on the second one you're playing as the leader of that gang. Um and so presumably there will be some characters you've seen before in the first game. Um it's an interesting choice though uh because with grand, grand theft auto 5 you have different character foils like um uh you have you have the crazy cocaine heroin addict who is all about blowing shit up and killing people you have mm-hmm. the the amoral um uh midlife crisis guy with a family he hates and a trophy wife like wishing he was living out his glory days and then um, you have the African-American gentleman who's, like, the real guy. He's, like, yeah. a decent dude trying to make it work. Uh, and then he just winds up falling in with these other two ridiculous characters. And, like, so the char- so the player kind of connects to him the most. Um, in this, and in the first Red Dead, you want to connect with John Marston because he's trying to do right. He's trying to make good. Um, sure. In this, you're playing as an asshole. <laughs> and I've, that my, I don't know if that's the only person you play as, because with Rockstar, who knows what they're hiding under the hood. Um, yeah. But it seems like you play as this guy, um, the leader of the gang, and he's not a good guy. So I'm wondering how they're going to... Like, if, if that's just the ride that you're along for, and then, like, out in the open world, like, you can feel free to shoot whoever and be a total dick, or... Because, like, there are people that want to play games both ways, right? Like, they want to be good, lawful, and there are other people who want to be chaotic evil. Um, and this guy sure. feels more in that, in the latter direction. So I don't know if there's... I just don't know if there's a direction for people who 
don't want to kill hookers. <laughs> um, but it seems it seems well, interesting. considering considering the uh, rock star audience, I'm gonna guess there are very few people that don't enjoy playing as an asshole character. Probably. Um, but yeah, in, in the Red Dead games, it was the game was always a lot more self serious than Grand sure. Theft Auto was. Yeah. Like Grand Theft Auto's like that's a sandbox for you to have fun in. The first Red Dead very much felt like. Um, an exploration into John Marston's character and that world. It felt like you were deep diving into that stuff. And this, the tone of the trailer very much seems more self-serious. So they're kind of sticking with that direction, which is good that, you know, they don't, they're not just doing they're Grand not Theft Auto Wild silly. West. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And like, and you know, I've said before, I've never played Red Dead. I will get around to it at some point. Um, I'm glad you kind of gave the extra context around the story and the characters. Cause like for me watching the trailer, I know Rockstar makes good games, but like nothing about this made me like, Oh shit. Like this looks fucking amazing. And so it makes sense that for people that played the first game that have that context, it's a lot more exciting. Yeah. Cause to me, it was like, like it's a Western that looks cool. There are too few Western games. And like, I know the quality of the game is good. But because it was more focused on, like, the story and the characters versus, like, there was no, like, you weren't really watching actual gameplay right. of the game. It, I was like, eh. I mean, it's not really... It doesn't make me want to play it, to be honest with you. But that makes sense now that... Because I don't have that additional context. So, someday I will play Red Dead, and then I will play Red Dead yeah. too. And I also want to hang this out there i never beat the first red dead i got like maybe halfway through it or so and i played a little bit of undead nightmare the like zombie expansion thing um so i don't entirely know what i'm talking about (laughs) some of this knowledge is secondhand (laughs) but uh i have heard you just completely took away any credibility no i was like hanging on your words like oh this all makes sense like yes i get that that sounds cool from a story perspective and then you're just like oh actually no i just know but i have read and i have heard that that is the case Okay. Okay. From multiple from sources, not, from personal, not experience. personal experience. You don't know the the details right. of it. Okay. I know the broad fine. strokes. <laughs> Our listeners, like the whole time you're talking, I was just like, after hearing you say that, I'm like, oh well, fuck. For the last 15 minutes, we're talking about this damn game, and all the listeners are like, this is all wrong. <laughs> no, I. That's why I didn't want to get more specific with it because I yeah. don't know those facts. Gotcha. <laughs> that's funny. Someday we will go into a spoiler cast of Red Dead when we both beat the yeah. game. In like four years. Um, so I guess moving on, uh, this is a weird one, but uh, let's jump into Hate of the Week. Hate of the Week. So, okay. I've already mentioned I'm in a bit of a weird place this week. But I think it's healthy to like do all this other stuff, and and I'm glad that I have the opportunity to and talk about some things that are outside of my life. But my hate of the week for this week is myself, and I don't mean that in like a super emo way. But I just kind of want to like, I, like I use this a lot of times as an opportunity to rant about something, and so I'd like to rant about me and how I look at things and how maybe that's really frustrating sometimes. So. The whole point of this hate of the week thing, and really of the Shea Hates Everything podcast, like, it's called the Shea Hates Everything podcast. You kind of know a little bit of what you're going to get when you listen <laughs> to it, but my, my like, 
attitude about this was always, yeah, I'm going to shit on some stuff. I'm a harsh critic. I'm going to make fun of things, but I'm going to do it in like a sarcastic, fun way that's enjoyable and highlight some things that maybe people don't think about or think about in a new way. And I was listening to the last week's episode and we got into the hate of the week. And like, I don't know, when I get super passionate about things, sometimes I get maybe a little too aggressive. And so I just want to acknowledge like, and because I'm putting that out there on the internet now, hopefully I can keep myself a little bit more uh, accountable for that. I want to try to rein that in a bit. And I still want to have fun. I want to go on my crazy rants, but I don't like, I don't want anyone to ever feel like I'm actually attacking what they like or how they feel or even them as a person. That's totally not my intention. So I just want to be a little more conscious of that. Similarly, another reason that I hate myself this week, and this is like even more prescient because of the whole job situation, because I kind of put this idea together before I found out about my job. And so now it all like makes a lot more sense to me. So I've talked about this before, but I have a really hard time sticking with things creatively. So like when I had my YouTube channel and I started a blog and I did all these other things, like I give up on them when I hit a wall or like I lose momentum or like that hardcore passion that you get when you first start something, I give up and I get, I'm like, eh, and so then I want to move on to something else. I want to work on a new TV show or I want to, you know, come up with a comic book idea or whatever else. And I'm definitely trying to work on that with my website and especially with this podcast because this is such a great time and I really enjoy doing this. That is not my intention. Um, But part of it is like, especially now because of the job situation, what do I want out of this? Like, why do I do these things? Why did I start a YouTube channel? Why do I run a website? Why did I create this podcast? Is it purely for fun to give myself a creative outlet, another avenue to talk about things that I like? Or like, is this what I, like, in five years, would I like to be running my website full time and have this podcast going and, you know, make money doing that? And I'm still trying to figure that out. And so, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a very fluid, frustrating situation that now I feel even more pressure about because I'm going to be out of a job in three months. And so it's like the, the timing sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, cause I like marketing. It's very creative and I think I'm really good at it. So like I, I was totally fine that being my day job and working on these other things for fun. And if something happens with them, awesome, but that's not the goal. And so now it's like, okay, I'm leaving this marketing job that I wasn't a hundred percent passionate about anyway. Am I going to find another job that's the same thing? Or will I get lucky and be able to work in a marketing department for something for a product or a service that I am really passionate about? And that would fulfill me. Or is this an opportunity and not to go down this path, but like, did God put this opportunity in my path now to like make a significant change? So this is, now I'm just like postulating and rambling about this stuff, but like, I don't know. These are just all the thoughts that are going in my head and I don't, I don't hate myself because of it. It's just really frustrating. And because this is an outlet for me to rant, this is my rant for this week. So, Hey, I'm not ranting at anyone else. This is purely self-inflicted. So (laughs) hopefully like nobody's getting mad about this. I don't know. I don't know, Kyle. I don't know. Um, yeah exactly <laughs> yes um no i have, I have 
thoughts. I want to present them properly. Um, so, uh, hey, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I love, I love you, man. I want to put it. I want to put that out there first. Um, oh boy. No, this, this, none of this is a negative thing. Um, I've always been a big proponent of, and some of this is some me being younger and more maybe a lens of uh, naivete. Is that how you pronounce it? Naivete? You can pronounce that okay. however you want. It's not even a real yeah. word. It's French or some yeah. shit. Naivete. Um, baguette, please. I, um, <laughs> I've always been a big proponent of whatever you're passionate about at the moment like find a way to make a career out of that and you know we talked about it before where i'm always like you know take your second biggest passion and make it your job and keep that first passion for yourself um so i guess for you kind of determine like what is your second biggest passion and i just urge you to try now that you have this opportunity and you know you mentioned that um and and you you don't want to talk about this a whole lot because you know this is a personal thing for you but if god put this in your path this opportunity um then you know that has you thinking maybe harder than you would otherwise about making a significant change um and if like if that is a motivator for you to make a change then i totally support that um i know you found ways to enjoy your current job but i also through conversations with you, I know it's not really what you wanted to do. So, right. Like, I don't know what your money situation is. I don't need to know that stuff. The listeners don't need to know that stuff. Just if you think it's not great. Like if you (laughs) and Kelly think that you can make it work where if it's just for like, if, if you want to give yourself a set amount of time to try and make something personally fulfilling to you work, then set that amount of time, and if it doesn't happen, then you've given it the chance now, and you have to find something sustainable, like to sustain you and Kelly for a little while, and then maybe there's another opportunity down the road for you to give it another shot, right? So Mm -hmm. it's just because you have tried something and it doesn't work now doesn't mean it won't work later, too. So Sure. Maybe, like... And with the Dreamwriters thing, like, you tried to make that show happen, and it hasn't happened yet, so it it didn't work then. Maybe there's an opportunity for that or something similar in that vein to work later. So, do what you can to sustain the lifestyle that you and Kelly need or want, but also don't be afraid to take the risks and find the times to try new things or retry old things. And this is a really, again, I don't know what your money situation is, but like this may be one of those good times that is being forced upon you, right? It's not your choice. Um, This may Mm -hmm. be one of those opportunities for you, um, for you and Kelly, maybe, maybe both of you, right? Kind of take a hard look and restructure some things. Um, and explore some different things. So like it, you know, there are 
positives and negatives, and it is all scary. And you can hate that part of yourself that always wants something new and something different, or you can embrace it and let that drive changes in your life and like allow that change to happen. Yeah. And I know like part of the issue with me is I'm not a great self motivator. Like I have all these ideas that I love to talk about, but when it comes to like doing them, I'm not great at that. And hopefully being aware of it, like I'm working on that hopefully helps me keep improving on it. But a lot of my motivation comes from external sources, like with dream writers, like I worked my ass off on that show for over two years. And I mean, totally not taking credit away from the other three guys. Cause especially, you know, my buddies Dalton and Nathan, like they worked way harder than I did, but like a lot of the reason that I was so hardcore into that, not just because I loved it, but because they were relying on me too. And I hate the job search process. I feel like I've been in a perpetual job search process for the past like decade of my life. Cause I haven't yet found that like it job and this job, there are a lot of things that I love about it, but like I quit my job before I was working with uh, a friend of mine and it just, I wasn't going in the direction that I wanted. I wasn't really getting anything out of it. And so I wanted to take a break. Kelly was making enough money that like I just, I could quit, figure stuff out and then move forward. And I didn't, and I slacked off and I still have so many regrets about that because I feel like I let her down. And the only thing that really kicked me into gear is we started getting into a really bad financial spot and there was all this pressure on her to keep doing something she didn't want to do because she was the only person bringing in money. And that was the kick in the pants I needed to finally get the fuck off of my fat ass and find a job and move forward. And so like, I'm just, I'm not good at that self-motivation. And that's the thing that frustrates and scares me the most, but I also think like what you're saying is totally true and I need to look at it as an opportunity where I have all these things that I want to do and all these things that I work on here and there and I never commit 100% to them. It's one of the reasons I washed out as an actor. I never committed 100% to going for it and really putting everything I had into that profession because there was like another safety net there. And so I have this current job that I don't hate And if it would go on as long as I wanted it to, yeah, would I be happier if I was doing something else or like in a different marketing job eventually? Sure. But as long as I have that safety net, I'm not the kind of person that's going to put myself out there. That sucks. I want that to change. But where I am now, I'm not going to do that. And so this, like, there's an end date to my job. I have to fucking figure something else out. If I don't buy that time, I have like a little bit of a severance package, which will help in the transition. But there will be a time where I am making no money. And I make more than my wife. We rely on my income, especially to do the things that we need to do right now. And there will come a time where that stops. So I have to have something else figured out. And I think that pressure, despite the fact that it's scary, will help me in that process. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not, I mean, literally I found out about the fact that I was losing my job three days ago as of the time we're recording this. So I'm definitely not like cool with it mm. yet. Like it's still, I'm still like in that depression mentality and like having to go to work the next day was a really weird experience. But anyway, um, I know that like, I'll feel good about this and Kelly and I have had many good talks about it and she's not stressed, which certainly helps me not be as stressed. So I don't know. It's a really weird position to be in, but 
I think it can and will be very exciting as well. Yeah. So well, and so it's helpful. I will continue to share that. It's helpful that like you have been in a, a somewhat similar situation before, and you came out the other end of it strong. So yeah. you can take that experience. Like last year for me was the hardest year of my life. I, I worked the hardest I've ever worked to make all three of my jobs happen and like mm-hmm. put on a play and a musical and make all of these like theater events happen and all this stuff. I worked my ass off because I had to, like I did not have a, a another choice and I was not happy while it was, while I was doing it. I was not a happy person. <laughs> my fiance can attest to that. It's not pleasant to be around, but I got through it and came out the other end really proud of myself. And so this year I'm going at it with a different attitude where like last year it it was, I don't know if I can do this. And this year it's, I've done it already. So I know I can do this. And it's similar for you. You know, you can, you know, you can, you know, you can find something to make it work because you've done it before and you can, and will do it again. So coming out the other side of adversity like that, um, it always, I guess I shouldn't say it makes it easier because that implies less work, but your attitude changes. Yeah, dealing with it becomes yes. easier. Like the actual act might not be easier, but the mentality is right. easier. And, and I feel like that's a huge, that's a huge. Yeah, I mean, we're always our own worst enemies uh, when it comes to yeah. just life in general and mm-hmm. human nature. We will make things more complicated and more taxing than they need to be. And so once that layer is lifted, everything becomes um, doable. Sure. Good real yeah. talk. It's a good real talk for hate of the week. Next week we'll get back to some <laughs> some <shit>. stupid <laughs> trivial shit. <laughs> but in a fun yes. way. Oh yeah. Uh, so honestly, we will continue the real talk a little bit here because we got an email. In between the last two episodes, I guess it was like a week and a half ago. Got an email from our good buddy Rod, who lives in Mexico City. And I won't like read the actual email because part of it, I don't know, feels a little bit weird to talk about because it's a bit like a pat on the back kind of situation. But the gist, I mean, Rod lives in Mexico City. He's been obviously very affected and has friends and family very affected by all the natural disasters that have been happening. And... um so obviously, first of all, want everybody to know that's still dealing with all these problems. And I know there are still more things to come. I know my mother-in-law was freaking out because apparently Georgia in, is, again, supposed to be hit with, like, really hardcore tropical storms this weekend, which I haven't heard oh, anything about. Gosh. But, like, I don't know. It, it, it's a very scary time. And the shooting that recently happened in Las Vegas, yeah. like, it's, you know, stuff going on with Korea and our relationships and the UN and Russia interfering. Like there's a lot, a lot of scary shit that's happening in the world right now. Um, And part of Rod's email was honestly, like I don't want it to sound self-congratulatory, but like thanking us for this podcast, because at the time that we released the last episode, he had said, you know, it was his first time using the internet in several days and like listening to us bitch about stuff and talk about things that he cares about was a bit of an escape from dealing with real life. And, you know, literally what we've just been talking about, like me trying to figure out what the fuck I'm doing with my life and kind of like, like, why am I even doing this? Like, it's not like I have hundreds of listeners on the podcast. It's not like I get thousands of page views on the website. Like I'm not making any money doing any of this. So at the core of it, like why, why the fuck am I 
quote unquote, wasting my time doing this when I should be focusing on finding another job, figuring out what I want to do professionally. Instead, I'm doing this shit. And like, that that's bullshit. I hate that mentality, but that's where I was that day. And I'd also had a really rough day at work and uh, just not feeling very valued at work that day for the hard work and the good work that I thought I was doing. And I got this email from Rod and I read through it and I just like started crying at work after reading this email because it put two things in perspective. First, most importantly, this is trivial. Yeah. Like this, who, who gives a shit? There are so many more things that people deal with in life that my little problem of like, my boss didn't tell me I did a good job today. <laughs> like who fucking cares? Grow the hell yeah. up, Shay. And then the second piece that like, even when I may not think that what I offer has value and I may be in that mindset that like what I do doesn't matter, even on a fucking podcast called the Shay Hates Everything Podcast, where we just shit on everything <laughs> for two fucking hours every other week, someone, at least at least we can prove one person got something yeah. out of it. And if nothing else, it was an escape from the shit he was dealing with in his real life. So... I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to thank everybody that listens and that has read my stuff and has supported me in this process and give me great advice. Even the people that recommend I don't call it Shay Hates Everything. <laughs> <laughs> and especially to Rod, who I have never met. Like, I think we met for the quote unquote met on the internet for the first time because he was subscribed to you on YouTube, yeah. Kyle. That's like originally, yeah. like he had followed your YouTube channel and so we were doing videos together. I had my YouTube channel and so we were going back and forth on Twitter every once in a while and like when we were doing the Dream Riders Kickstarter, Rob was super supportive, like always tweeting out, like retweeting stuff, congratulating us when we were hitting milestones and like following the path of Dream Riders. He designed these cool little t-shirts designs for us just for fun, like... So I want to thank Rod, you specifically, let you know that we're still thinking about you, man, and words cannot express how much, despite the shit that you were dealing with, I hope you know and believe that your email gave me the same pump up that you said our podcast gave you. So feeling is mutual, buddy, and uh, as you recommended in our email, we will continue hating so <laughs> and bitching and complaining that's gonna do it for today guys and, uh, I, um, I just real quick you. i just want to go ahead yeah oh yeah so i just hit, real hit quick want to let rod know that my facebook profile picture is still the fallout vault boy version of me that he drew for me for when i was doing the casuals <laughs> uh fallout hipster yeah. jesus run through so that is still my <laughs> facebook profile picture it's like yeah the favorite my favorite thing anyone has ever made me yeah so. it's awesome Keep rocking, man. Thank you, Rod. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we had lots of lots of like real talk to end the the podcast, but I feel good about it. Um, hopefully, like this kind of thing is interesting at least, if not like enjoyable, maybe because <laughs> it is a bit of a downer, at least for me yeah. personally. But this, like, I am passionate about. You know, I love doing my little rants about trivial shit, and it's fun, and I got to make fun of things, but. There are more important things in life, and I want to continue to talk about those. And if nothing else, I hope my experience, assuming I come through on the other side, which I believe that yeah. I will, will help someone that maybe is going through the same thing. So, anyway, thanks everybody for listening. This was episode 10. Double digits. This is like our anniversary episode. <laughs> Double digits. Yeah. Uh, so, thank you, Kyle, as always, for joining. And um, we'll be back in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.